A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. With me is Michael Swaito. He is an author, journalist, and broadcaster, formerly with Money FM as a business presenter. And he is a co author of Taming the Mouse How a Small Hong Kong Theme Park came to dominate Disney. Michael, good to have you with us. And I know you've got a really good overview about the situation when it comes to attractions across Asia. But firstly, tell me about Taming the Mouse. All right, Jason. Thanks again for having me back on air. Taming the Mouse is a real David versus Goliath story. So if you go back to the late 1990s, early 2000s, Hong Kong announced that Disney was coming to town. And there's a small Hong Kong theme park, which many of us have visited, called Ocean Park. Have you been there? I have indeed. I was in Hong Kong for a while, not as long as you, but I did visit and my daughter was there and she loved it. So when it was announced that Disney was coming to town, people thought that was it for Ocean Park, that it was just going to go under. So what happened? First, they hired a new chairman, Alan Zeman. So he is famously flamboyant. He's the father of Lan Kwai Fung, mm-hmm. you know, yep. a very favorite watering hole. And then he hired a guy named Tom Merman, who had a history of working in theme parks. He was a sweeper at uh, Knott's Berry Farm in California as a teenager. He rose up through the ranks. And they took on Disney in a way that no one thought possible. And for a decade, every year, they dominated Disney in terms of attendance numbers, profitability, community engagement, you name it. So this book takes that story as the backdrop, but pulls out 10 lessons, 10 principles that any company can use to dominate a giant. And you co-wrote it with Tom Merman, didn't you? Right. We wrote the story together. The way it came about was I was doing a feature article on him because he was stepping down after 12 years at the helm of Ocean Park. And he had done such a tremendous job. I was covering him for a trade industry magazine. And once that article came out, I approached him. I said, Tom, have you ever thought of writing a book? You know, because he was going through a transition in his career. Mm. Uh, And he had a great story to tell. And he said, no, I haven't. So we talked about it and, uh, you know, after a little while, decided to do this book together and there you go. Now, Tom has, uh, in a sense, progressed onwards. He's now the president and general manager of Universal Studios Beijing. He's in charge of opening Universal Studios in Beijing in 2021. It is a $7 billion U.S. dollar project. That's in the media. That's an unofficial yeah, figure. Yeah. Ten times, actually, the figure of what uh, they spent to renovate Ocean Park. Mm. But it is really interesting, Jason, how they took Ocean Park and brought it back to prominence. As you know, it's a beautiful location, great topography, beautiful cable car. But, you know, there really wasn't the buzz at the time. And they said, look, this is a park that has a generational connection. It's where people went as kids and they'd like to bring their children. It's also Hong Kong's people's park. Okay, so they're going to make sure that it has that local cultural relevance. What they didn't do was try to compete directly with Disney. They wanted to create, and this is a term from another book, a blue ocean. So this is a space, right, where essentially you won't be bloodied in the water and you will have your own differential values that stand apart. With uh, Michael Swaito, journalist, author and broadcaster, talking about Taming the Mouse, the book that he co-wrote with Tom Merman, also talking about other attractions across Asia. Uh, You know, Michael, I uh, spent time in Hong Kong, as I mentioned. I also used to work for Disney, so I was fascinated by this uh, this book. But the success of Ocean Park, you know, it really does paint a rosy picture for those who aren't in the dominant brands like Disney, doesn't it? 
I, yeah, I think that's the point, right, is that anyone can take on a giant. And there are, there are a few things to take note. I mean, in a sense, a huge company like Disney, when you're a behemoth, you move slowly. If you want to make one little change to Mickey Mouse, that's going to take forever. Yeah. So many people, branches, everyone's going to have a say mm. in it. If they wanted to make a change to the Ocean Park mascot, Whiskers, Tom and his graphic designer could say, okay, we're just going to do this. Mm. Now, I think what is also interesting in this book is these principles that you can use to transform your business. I think they can also be applied to our personal lives. And let me just take one example. Uh, so one of the chapters is called Control. This is a Mormonism, so it's something mm -hmm. that Tom would say, yeah. which is control the controllable. So when you're in business, there are things outside of your control. So if you're in Hong Kong and the exchange rate is moving in a, in a wrong direction, yeah. it's becoming more expensive for mainland Chinese to come and visit you, mm -hmm. you can't control that. If you're in a situation where there are trade tensions, again, you can't control that directly. Focus on what you can control because you could spend all day whining about this and you're not going to transform your business. But if you think, okay, look, it's now a lot more expensive for the Chinese to come. Uh, maybe we should target Indonesians. Maybe we should do something to bring other markets in or make it more attractive for more Hong Kongers to come. Or we should some, find some way to offer more promotions. So that's in business. But I think in our personal lives, this idea of control what you can and don't fret about the rest – has a lot of value as well. With Michael Swito, author and journalist and broadcaster, talking about attractions across Asia and also his book, uh, Taming the Mouse. You know, we look at the Singapore scene and you've become a bit of an expert on theme parks, attractions. What would you say about where Singapore is as far as it attracting you know, global visitors uh, to Singapore with its uh, theme parks? Well, I think Singapore has done an amazing job in the attraction space. You just have to open your eyes and look around to mm -hmm. see it. I mean, last mm -hmm. night I was at Jewel. Mm -hmm. This is an attraction at an airport. Incredible, isn't it? You know, and to see the fountain oh. and the way they mm -hmm. light it up, it's amazing. And the place was packed last night on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. I mean, just absolutely packed. Shake Shack, the line looked like it was going two hours. Right. You know, I thought it was a short line. They said, no, no, you have to go over there. No, you have to go over there. <laughs> So, I mean, just this idea of doing it in an airport is phenomenal. Mm. And I can't wait until they open the canopy. Yes. And then let's also look at our integrated resorts at Universal Studios Singapore, at Marina Bay Sands. They've done a great job with a small footprint. And, you know, it's very popular with Singaporeans, very popular with international travelers. Uh, we have Mandai Resort being redeveloped. That's yeah. very exciting. Mm -hmm. And then Sentosa itself, right, is also has great attractions. So I think it's a very interesting space. But if we just look at Universal, the park here is much smaller than, say, the park in Osaka mm -hmm. or the park in Beijing will be. Mm. So elsewhere in the region, you have more space to do more, more and more exciting things, I guess. And the India market is another market that uh, you've been looking at. Uh, and normally, India isn't following China and Southeast Asia in the same way when it comes to theme parks. But I guess the potential there is, is massive. What can you say about what's happening in India? I think that's uh, it's really interesting. So India is kind of on the cusp of a transformation when it comes to attractions because they're really starting to use more technology. At the same time, they have to be very conscious of price because purchasing power in India is not what it is in a market like Singapore. So I was in Hyderabad not too long ago, and I visited a place called Remoji Film City. So this is owned by the Remoji Group. Yes. 
And have, have you been there? No, but I've got a friend who works as a film um, tutor in Australia, and he, he has been there. And I think he says that Hyderabad's become a real kind of hub for filmmaking. Yeah, it definitely has. Uh, I mean, there's an amazing film called Bahubali, which was filmed uh, at the Remoji Film City. Uh, there's one and two. You can go watch one online with English subtitles. And it uses CGI in a way which is unprecedented for the Indian industry. Mm. Now, if we go back to the attractions for a second, I would call Remoji Film City an accidental theme park. It was not planned. So the idea was to have the world's largest production studio. Okay, and in terms of physical size, it is. Guinness, you know, has certified that. Yes. As soon as they opened it, though, people started saying, hey, we'd like to come and see what goes on behind the scenes. And they received so many requests that they started giving backstage tours, if you will. And it was very simple at first, just like a little bus that would take you around. But over years, it has developed. And right now, they're really redeveloping, I would say, and adding to it. So in addition to seeing where your favorite Bollywood actor or Indian actor sang or danced or what the scene is like, there are areas for kids called Fundustan. Very interesting low-tech attraction there that was popular, I'll point out. It was essentially sprinklers, fountains, and music, and people dancing under it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) With journalist, broadcaster, and author Michael Swito, he wrote uh, Taming the Mouse uh, with Tom Merman from Ocean Park. You know, India Market is one that I've worked in extensively over the last couple of decades, and I've seen it advance and progress, the middle class of India booming. And I still go to India, as you know, to work from time to time as a, as a sports broadcaster. And looking ahead for the potential for India to replicate some of the theme parks we see in, in Southeast Asia and North Asia, what would you say? Is there gonna, are we going to see this uh, boom? Well, I don't think you're going to have the sort of intellectual property focus that we have in markets. So you're not going to have Marvel characters or Star Wars characters because that international intellectual property is just too expensive for Mm -hmm. the Indian market. But you are going to have Indian intellectual property and also Indian heritage. So there's one other new exhibit. I believe it's called Sai Tirth. And they've taken the story of a secular saint, Sai Baba, Mm -hmm. and they have made it into, I would say, a multimedia show. Uh, And there's several aspects to it. So the town attracts millions upon millions of people. The attraction is new. It's by the Malpani Group. And you can interact with a holographic Sai Baba. It's pretty amazing. It's unprecedented. Wow, that, that does sound uh, mind-boggling. I've got to ask you about my nation of Australia. Of course, Australia is uh, you know, watching what's happening with the U.S.-China uh, trade talks. But with the Gold Coast, and you know, that's always been kind of the um, amusement park attraction center of Australia. What about the Australian market? How's that looking at the moment? So I think there's a couple of things to look at there. Uh, one is external and one is internal. And I'm going to start with the external because it links back to what we were talking earlier with U.S.-China trade. And Australia is actually caught in the middle of it. I'm going to segue for a second away from attraction. Just ask you a question. Mm. Aside from myself, who do you think buys the most Australian wine? Aside from yourself? Okay. Country-wise. Oh, what country oh, buys the most Australian uh, wine? Uh, China? By far. Yeah. Okay. China surpassed, Mm. uh, Europe surpassed the U.S. Mm -hmm. China is Australia's biggest trading partner. Australia has traditionally been very focused on the U.S. And so it finds itself caught in between. And the reason why I'm bringing this up now is that increasingly more Chinese tourists are traveling to Australia. Mm. And you have Australian entities, tourism boards, etc., that are proactively trying to bring Chinese tourists to their region, to their attractions. So we're seeing that happen. That's the external factor. Internally, 
there have been safety issues uh, which are very prominent in the media because yeah. we, we had something happen over on the Gold Coast that shouldn't have. Yes, of course. So just for the benefit of those listening, there was something that happened on a, a water flume uh, and uh, a child was critically injured. You know, that scared people away, as it should. Mm. But the parks are being very proactive now in trying to showcase what they're doing for safety. Lots of videos, social media to say this is what we do. Safety is always top of mind. And sometimes the reports in the media are not fair to the parks because they'll show something stopping and say this is a safety incident when, in fact, it is the safety systems operating properly. Okay, so you, you want the system to stop if it needs to. So anyway, the reason why we brought in this conversation is domestically, I think there are still there's still some hesitance by Australians to go to some parks because of these safety concerns. Now, obviously, a lot of Singaporeans go to the Gold Coast and Australia for theme parks. And but there are now more options, as you've spoken about uh, across not just Singapore, but in other parts of Asia. How much is the Australian market still very attractive for Singaporean visitors? Definitely. I mean, the main thing that people travel to Australia for is its natural beauty. So if you go north of Sydney, uh, you can go up to the Blue Mountains. There's areas where you can take uh, sky trams and cable cars, and you can see absolutely gorgeous terrain that you don't have in a city like ours. Um, So that is still primarily the main thing that people go to Australia for. It's not to ride a roller coaster or to go to a theme park like we we have at Universal. So it's like a value add maybe for for Singaporeans going to Australia, would you say? Yeah. I mean, you're there and you want to do something else which is fun on top Mm, of it. mm -hmm. Uh, But it's not the first thing that you go for. Down in South Australia, they're trying to develop where there's plans perhaps to have more of a outdoor park, kind of like Ocean Park in a sense, because Ocean Park in Hong Kong combines nature, combines the aquarium with rides. So they're looking to do something around that, the Cleveland Wildlife Reserve, but using, of course, Australian animals, because people want to come, they want to see the koalas, they want to see uh, kangaroos, things again, which they don't have in Mm. in China or Singapore or Hong Kong. But while you're there, you may then want to go ahead and ride uh, an amazing roller coaster or reverse bungee. You may be very homesick for those uh, attractions in, in Australia. I've been speaking to Michael Swito, journalist and broadcaster, former Money FM business presenter, who has co-written Taming the Mouse. Michael, tell us about how we can get this wonderful book. All right. Well, I was going to send you down to Kinakunia, Singapore, but I believe it's sold out. Wow. Um, sold out. So, But, you know, please go to Kinakunia and say you'd like them to order. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Or you can go online. The book is available in Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million. Amazon, there's copies in Kindle as well as paperback, hardback. So whatever your preference, whether it's uh, on a Kindle device or to have it in your hand, it's right there. You can do it. Sounds like it's been selling well. It has. Taming the Mouse, how a small Hong Kong theme park came to dominate Disney. Michael Swito, thank you so much. It's been a privilege and an honor having you on my show. It is really a pleasure to come in and have a conversation with you. Oh, you can come back anytime. Thanks again, Michael.